Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. We talk about writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about the seven secrets of writing effective dialogue. And since it's graduation season, once again, we'll talk about how to write about degrees. Let's get started. This next segment is by Eric Deckers. Whether you're writing fiction or creative nonfiction, there are three primary elements to a story—action, narration, and dialogue. Or to put it another way, what they did, what they saw, and what they said. Dialogue lets you illustrate themes and convey ideas through a character's spoken response to the situations and people they encounter. Your characters can express deep emotions with what they say, sometimes more than they can with unspoken actions and unvoiced feelings. You could say that without dialogue, you don't have a story. You have an essay. But writing dialogue can be tricky. It's an art unto itself. You want your written dialogue to sound natural, not clunky or forced. And you want to share just enough information with your reader without oversharing or having your characters act as the narrator. So here are seven dialogue writing secrets to help you master this art. First, show, don't tell. Every writer has heard this advice, but it's worth repeating because too many people fall into what you might call the radio theater trap. Often, old-time radio theater would rely on the actors to narrate what was happening in the story, only they did it very badly. For example, you might hear an actor say, Why do you have a gun in your right hand? This immediately tells the listener what's going on, but it's clunky and unrealistic. No one would actually say that in real life, which is what your dialogue is supposed to reflect. So avoid the temptation to have your characters tell us what the narration or action should explain. To better convey the same image, you might say, Jan heard an unmistakable click behind her. Watch where you point that thing, she said. The phrase unmistakable click and Jan's statement, watch where you point that thing, gives us enough context about what's going on without having it spelled out through clunky dialogue. Second, write the way people talk. Unless you're writing a story set in late 18th century England, no one sounds like Mr. Darcy from Pride and Prejudice. In vain I have struggled. It will not do. My feelings will not be repressed. You must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. (laughs) Yes, it sounds beautiful, but people aren't so stuffy and formal in real life these days. Here's another example. I cannot think of a single reason on earth why people would make the decision to sound unnatural when they speak, said Diane. 
Compare that to, why would anyone talk like that, said Diane. You may have to write in a more formal way for work, but it doesn't work for dialogue. Third, get your English teacher out of your head. Don't follow the grammar rules we learned in school if it doesn't make sense. As Elmore Leonard once said in his 10 Rules of Writing, If it sounds like writing, I rewrite it. If proper usage gets in the way, it may have to go. I can't allow what we learned in English composition to disrupt the sound and rhythm of the narrative. That means if you're writing about cowboys, gangsters, or teenagers in a dystopian future, they won't speak properly, so don't make them sound like your 7th grade English teacher. These quick tips may be helpful. Use contractions, can't instead of cannot, for example. Probably avoid the word whom. And sentences with prepositions when it sounds most natural. What did you step on instead of on what did you step? Splitting infinitives is also fine. And writing dialogue with sentence fragments is also fine. Fourth, said is not dead. It's a common mistake among new writers to avoid using said because it seems boring and unimaginative, but please don't fall into this trap. It's not a good way to build drama and emotion into your story. That should come from the dialogue itself as well as the character's actions. We use dialogue tags like aardvark said or squiggly asked to break up the dialogue and to show who's speaking. And reading dialogue should be a smooth experience with the readers barely registering the dialogue tags. If you use something other than said or asked, that smooth experience becomes marred with bumps and potholes that jar the reader out of the rhythm of the dialogue. So avoid tags like cried, shouted, exclaimed, screamed, hinted, and so on. And by the way, that is actually one of Elmore Leonard's 10 rules. Fifth, don't use adverbs to modify said. This is another of Elmore Leonard's 10 rules, when he called a mortal sin. Don't try to add drama and emotion to your dialogue by sticking an adverb onto your dialogue tags. Phrases like achingly said, loudly said, proudly said, and shyly said create the same problems as using something other than said alone. Plus, you could end up creating something called a Tom Swifty. Tom Swift was a children's adventure series first published in 1910. The author was noted for frequently using other dialogue tags besides said or adding adverbs to the tags. Soon, other authors parodied this style and came up with the Tom Swifties as a joke by using adverbs that created puns. For example, the doctor had to remove my left ventricle, said Tom half-heartedly. I manufacture tabletops for shops, said Tom counterproductively. And there is an online database of more than 400 Tom Swifties, Tom said searchingly. <laughs> if you want to avoid this kind of silliness, don't use adverbs on your dialogue tags and stick with said and asked. These final two tips are more about how to format and punctuate your dialogue. I'll read them here, but to get a better visual example, you can also visit the transcript of this segment at my website, quickanddirtytips.com. Sixth, put actions on dialogue lines. Dialogue is really part of an action. If a character enters a room, that's an action. If she says something, that's a different type of action, but it's still an action. So if a character enters a room and then says something, it's all part of the same action, and it should all go in the same paragraph. 
Here's an example from the humor novel Mackinac Island Nation. When I read it, just visualize this as one paragraph. Simmons stared at Gordon in stone silence. I'm going to have to call you back, Mom. He stabbed his phone with a finger, the one he could kill you with, before you even knew he did it. He was sitting in the room's only easy chair, feet propped up, with a drink in his hand. What are you talking about, Holt? What are you doing here, and what are you talking about? In this one paragraph, we had an action sentence, a dialogue sentence, two more action sentences, and two more dialogue sentences. And while we're on the subject, be sure to create a new paragraph every time a different person speaks or takes a new action. And finally, seventh, don't use a dialogue tag on every sentence. If you have a long string of dialogue, it's not necessary to use a tag on every character's line. For example, if there's an exchange between Squiggly and Aardvark that lasts 10 or 12 lines, it's not necessary to put Aardvark said or Squiggly said after every line. Instead, you should use tags for the first few lines, then skip a few lines, then drop in another tag. This way your reader won't lose track of where they are in the dialogue chain. Good stories rely on tight, realistic-sounding dialogue that doesn't distract readers with its clunkiness or overuse of adverbs or unusual dialogue tags. If you can master these dialogue basics, you'll have sparkling, witty dialogue that conveys much more than narration and action can alone. That segment was written by Eric Deckers, a professional writer and the co-author of four social media books, including Branding Yourself, where he included me as one of his case studies. He published his first humor novel, Mackinac Island Nation, last year and celebrated his 25th anniversary as a newspaper columnist with more than 1,300 published humor columns. I can't believe it's already May, and graduation will soon be upon us, or even is in some places. If you're getting a college degree, here's one final bit of information that won't be on your finals, but will still be good to know. How to write about your achievement. It is singular and possessive. Bachelor's degree. Bachelor with an apostrophe and an S on the end. Think of it this way. A bachelor isn't just a single guy who maybe eats out a lot, but also any person who's earned a specific type of degree from a university or college. The word bachelor appeared around the year 1300 to refer to a young knight. And according to the Oxford English Dictionary, Chaucer first used it in Franklin's Tale in 1386 to refer to a person who has taken the lowest degree at a university. The line reads, his fellow was that time a bachelor of law. Now think about the degree as the property of the bachelor, with the apostrophe S indicating possession. It is a bachelor's degree, the degree of one person with the initial level of achievement at the university. The same is true for a master. They earn a master's degree, singular, possessive. You don't use capital letters unless you're writing the formal name of a particular degree. For example, if you write, Aardvark earned a bachelor's degree, mainly studying ant behavior, bachelor's degree is lowercase because it's descriptive. But when you write, Aardvark has a bachelor of science in behavioral dynamics of edible ants, bachelor of science is the formal name of the degree, so it's capitalized. 
And let's say that behavioral dynamics of edible ants is the formal name of a program of much interest to aardvarks. So that's capitalized, too. To figure out how to abbreviate these degrees, you need to check your style guide. The Chicago Manual of Style does not recommend periods in BS and MS, for example, but the AP Style Book does. As for an associate degree, the Associated Press recommends just that, associate degree. But the Chicago Manual of Style simply points out that both associate degree and associate's degree are in wide use. For the sake of simplicity, I use associate's degree so I can write all the degrees the same way. Bachelor's degree, master's degree, and associate's degree, all singular and possessive. Finally, I have a familect story from Sandy. Hi, Mignon. I have a familect story for you. This is Sandy from Louisville, Kentucky, and we call Wi-Fi Wiffy because my 94-year-old father started calling it Wiffy when he first started having internet, and we'd say Wi-Fi, and he'd say Wiffy, and we'd say Wi-Fi, and he'd say Wiffy, and it got us laughing as we tried to explain it to him. And finally, now he understands with his Wi-Fi, but he still says Wiffy with a gleam in his eye. And we call it Wiffy and smirk, as we say it, because we're so used to it. And he loves it. Thanks. Have a nice day. Love your show. Thank you, Sandy. That is such a sweet story. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. Did you know that I have books about the English language? Seven books, in fact. I don't talk about them enough. But if you want something short, you might like 101 Misused Words. And if you want something more complete, you might like The Ultimate Writing Guide for Students. Thanks to my producer, Nathan Sams. And that's all. Thanks for listening. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at oceocean.com. Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com.